0: Good morning. morning. Happy New Year to you. Year. Oh dear, me. Is it that bad already? Is it? You know? It's great to be with you this morning. Before I get into my sermon, I just want to say you may have noticed as you came in there's some cakes and biscuits and goodies. Sorry if you've started a New Year diet, but it's probably over by now, anyway, isn't it? Let's be honest. But um, what we want, as a family, we've been with you a year, and what we wanted to do last year maybe around the spring was to have some open houses where you could come over and we could say thank you for welcoming us into your church family thank you for all the work you've done on preparing the manse before we moved in and and just thank you for lots and lots of different things but sadly Kezia got ill and it just wasn't able and feasible to do that so we decided well if we leave it any longer it's going to be like we've been here now for 18 years and we just want to say (laughs) thank you for having us here so we thought we would do it now so we, we we are planning this year. We'd love to still have some open houses and, and those kind of open houses, an open house, we've only got one, but um, where you can come and just get to know you a bit better. We want to get to know all of you over this next 12 months, and if possible. But please stay, have a tea and coffee. you have to get your tea and coffee from the hatch and your cake from over there. Um, or you may not want tea and coffee, you may just want to stand by the cake, so that's entirely up to you. So Gem and I will be out there uh, once we've... Um, and that's Gem and I, not Gemini. When I was in Portsmouth, I made some comments and said Gemini. And somebody came up to me after and said, what, you, you follow the stars, do you? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you talked about Gemini. I said, no, 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 no. That's my Welsh accent. It's Gem, pause, and pause, I. So, uh, but come and see us. We just want to say Happy New Year and thank you for, uh, for just the love and support you've given us and continue to give us as a family. So that's after anyway. But wow, 2024. Is it, is it only me that can't quite believe the millennium was 24 years ago? I, I feel it was like four or five years ago. It's quite, some of you are thinking, I wasn't even born when the millennium started. Um, in my head, I'm, 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 you know, I'm still 23 or something like that, but I know I'm not. But 2024, wow, I hope you had a, a good Christmas, I, I suspect that your house is now back to pre-Christmas, isn't that lovely, isn't that great, we, we do, I wanted to do I was on Boxing Day, but we felt that was a little bit early, so we did do it the day before New Year's Eve, and uh, the kids came downstairs, and we went. Oh, the living room looks massive, because we haven't got this big fake tree in the corner of it, and everything else has gone, maybe you've just got left the odd mince pie, and a couple of Christmas chocolates, and, uh, but it's wrong to waste them. Just as you need to eat them, it's wrong to, to waste those things. Maybe you've started this New Year and you've made some, some New Year's resolutions, and you are seven days in and finding it really difficult. And some of you are thinking, am I only seven days in? Now that I've reminded you that the diet that you've been on, that you've given up something, you've only lasted seven days. Well done for getting to day seven. But if you make it past next Friday, you're doing really well. Because next Friday is known as Quitter's Day, where most people quit all of their New Year's resolutions. For us as a family, we've been with you a year. I officially started working at BBC a year ago tomorrow. Gary has been a reverent for a year and inducted as community pastor a year ago yesterday uh, to the day. What a year it has been. We have loved being with you this past year and it, and it, I say this in all sincerity, it feels like for me it's been my best year in ministry. I know, Gary, it's got nothing to do with the fact that I work with you, because <laughs> it's to do with Roger. But anyway, <clears throat> just before Christmas, we met some, with some friends, and uh, a friend of mine, he said to me, so how are you finding your role in Ricky?" I just said to him, I'm loving it. I'm really enjoying it. And it's a season that I give God thanks for. Because it feels like a long time since I've said that about being in ministry. I've been in ministry now for 23 years. And there are seasons of ministry in the same way there are seasons of life. And some of them feel better than others, but they're all valued and they're all uh, meaningful. But I want to say this morning that I believe, not just for my ministry, but for our lives and for us as a church, the best is yet to come. Before Christmas, you may remember on Christmas Day we had that inflatable picture frame if you were here so you could take a photo and you had put silly glasses on and all that kind of stuff. Well, before Christmas, I'd blown that up and I was sat in my office and I had turned it the other way around. I happened to notice the other side of it was a if you wanted to take a photo and Happy New Year. And it said that there had a strap line on the bottom of this inflatable picture frame that said the best is yet to come. And it was one of those moments that really struck me. I thought, okay, what, what does that mean, that the best is yet to come? Because in truth, life cannot always feel like that. In truth, there are, there are situations, circumstances, seasons of life that are really, really hard. So how can that be, that the best is yet to come? It's a bit like you will have come across uh, recording artists who bring out their first album and it goes unbelievably well. It outsells absolutely everything. It goes straight in at number 1 and then the band is worried about their second album. Because what if that is not as good as the first album? Or the tennis player Emma Raducanu who's at the ripe old age she's so old now she's 21. Okay? Back in 2021, she won the American Open. Nobody thought she was going to get anywhere, but she won it. And everybody thought, wow, she's she's going to win Wimbledon. She's going to win every tournament going. And in truth, she peaked. And we haven't really heard an awful lot from her. We live in a world where we can have these high points in life. And we struggle to see that the best is yet to come. Maybe because we've got a high point or because we've got a low point. Back in the age of the dinosaurs, I took my English O level. Uh, when I was in what was known then as year four, I think it's year ten in new money. And uh, in my school, depending on what set you were in for English uh, and maths, you, you either took it in year five, year eleven, or you took them in year four. And I did my English in year four, year ten. And I got a B at O level. A Welshman getting a B in English. I know the irony of it. And my English teacher, she said to me, I'll never forget, her name was Mrs Prince. And she said to me, Wayne, you did so well. As in, you could see the shock on her face that I got a B. I thought she'd say, so I'm going to contact the exam board and find out, have they really marked your paper She said, you did so well, why don't you resit it next year, in year five? Because I think if you really put in more work, you could get an A. I looked and I said, Mrs. Prince, let's not jinx anything. (laughs) I would have been happy with a C. So a B has far exceeded my expectations. I don't believe there's any better, any best that can come than that BO level, so we're just going to call it a day there, okay? The British poet Robert Browning wrote a poem called The Best is Yet to Be. And it's thought that the saying, the best is yet to come, grew from that poem. And Robert Browning, he, he wrote that meaning the second half of our lives are better than the first. That's what he wrote. That's what he believed, that the second half of life is better than the first. But the saying, the best is yet to come, is used in a variety of ways. If it can mean even though things are good now there's going to be even better that's going to come. However, it can often be said from a sort of a wishful thinking. When someone's had a bad year or a bad time, surely there's got to be better days ahead. But for this first sermon of 2024, I want to suggest that with God, truly the best really is yet to come. Maybe you're looking over your 2023 and you're agreeing because you've had such a tough year. And you think it can only get better, surely. Maybe you're looking at your 2023 and thinking, wow, that was just the best year of my life. How on earth can that be topped? As a church, we're, we're 60 years old this year. There have been some amazing things that God has done over the last 60 years. But tr- do we truly believe as a church that that's it, that we've peaked? That our best days are behind us? Or do we believe that the next 60 years are going to be even better? Here's a truth for all of us during the next 12 months. And some of you might be experiencing this already now on the 7th of January. The truth is, we may not get a better job with a better salary. We may not be able to, to change our car, even though we really want to. We may not be able to sell our house and move somewhere what we consider better. Our kids may, may really struggle uh, this year. We or our loved ones may still get ill this year. You see, in terms of the world standards, we may get to the end of 2024 and think, well, that was even tougher than 2023. How is that any better? How can you say the best is yet to come? But could this be because what we focus on in terms of what constitutes a best is on the wrong things. You see, if we're focused on growing our relationship with Jesus and truly being intentional about seeking to make him more the heart of our lives, then a closer relationship with Jesus in 12 months time will surely mean that the best has come. But if we focus on our circumstances, which, which can and genuinely be really difficult, then we may not be able to see that the best has come at the end of this year. Because in human circumstances, we've had a tough year. Are you with me? We don't see and experience God's best, because often we have, as human beings, a different understanding of what best means. For when we think of a best year... It's easy, isn't it, to think of a year without any difficulties, without any pain, with, without any struggles, where everything has gone well and we've got everything that we wanted. Tick. But that's just not genuine life. That's not reality. And so as we think about this, let me read. I've got a number of uh, biblical passages today, but I want to start by reading what a passage that will possibly be familiar to you from Jeremiah 29. And we normally read just verse 11 on this one, but I'm going to read from 10 to 40. And we say, it says this, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look wholeheartedly for me, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land see, in this passage, God's people had ignored him for many years. They had been disobedient and treated God badly. And as a result, God had allowed them to be taken into captivity. Their circumstances are pretty poor. And yet God still makes a promise to them that their best is yet to come. Received in the right way, this could be an injection of encouragement that God's people could receive if they would change their focus from looking at their circumstances to looking to God. You see, if they purely looked upon the reality that they were in captivity, then they'd only see the struggle. Yet if they allowed their focus to change to see God, to have, as Lectio says uh, this day, I think, an intentional daily pursuit of God, then they could live in the reality of their current circumstances, but have a hope, that the promise of God that the best is yet to come. Think about David from the Old Testament. There's a point in his life where, where he's on the run from Saul and he's, he's hiding in a cave because Saul is looking to kill him. And we read in some of the Psalms that David wrote from that period uh, in his life that he was in a pretty desperate state. Yet for David, the best was yet to come. Not, not just because in the end David becomes king, but because they're in those caves. God did some of his best work with David and grew his relationship, trust and faith in God. Move over to the Old Testament. See the Apostle Paul who who wrote much of the New Testament. Paul never had it easy. You read about Paul, there were shipwrecks, there were floggings, there were beatings. there There was loads of stuff going on in Paul's life. He'd never had it easy from the time of his conversion. He spent, if he tot it all up, maybe, this is not an exact science, but he spent maybe around a fifth of his ministry in some sort of prison. He was in an actual prison cell for around two and a half years. He was also on house arrest. And there's also a period where, where he had to have escorted around by a Roman soldier. And so technically speaking, he was maybe in prison of some sort for around five or so years. Quite a chunk of time of his overall ministry. And yet, Paul would say that his time in prison was not wasted and he saw God's best. Because he wasn't looking at his circumstances, but he was looking at what God was doing, both in his own relationship with God, but also what God was doing in the lives of those around him, including the prison guards. Early on in ministry, I was sharing in in a small group setting that my old college principal, he's in glory now, bless him, Hugh Matthews. That's a good Welsh name, isn't it? And he, he was fluent in Welsh as well, Hugh Matthews. He used to, often used to say, he had a friend who used to say his favourite passages, words in the Bible were the phrase, and it came to pass. That's what he loved. He would quote it all the time, he said, my friend, he always says, and it came to pass. To pass. And I was sharing this in a small group that I was in early on in ministry. And one person in the group thought about it and said, Well, what if instead of things passing, it gets worse? I thought, You old cynic, damn it. But he had a point. What if instead of that tough time passing, it just gets worse? I wish back then I'd come across the words of a quote that I read this week that says, your storm has a conclusion that has already been penned. Something like that I think was mentioned last week. Your storm has a conclusion that has already been penned. Let me tell you, I love that. I wish I was uh, creative artistically. I could paint or draw something that represented that quote and frame it and hang it on the wall. Every time I go out and come in from the front door and when life is bad, your storm has a conclusion that has already been penned. For the Bible tells us that all the days of our life have been written. We read in Psalm 139 from the message paraphrase. Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. This is from Psalm 139. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into nothing. Like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life, all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Even if the tough things get worse before they get better, before they completely pass, God has a conclusion already penned for he knows. As a nation, we're obsessed with the weather, aren't we? (laughs) We have weather apps. If the weather comes on the news, I tell the kids to be quiet. I must see what's going on with the weather. If we go abroad and you're somewhere really, really hot and you have conversations with somebody back home, you just want to know what the weather's like. Is it raining? Is it cold? Yeah, because it's really hot here. (laughs) We're obsessed with the weather. Whenever I come into church on a Monday morning and... Brian, our cleaner, is here. One of the conversations we often have is about the weather. Either because he he wears shorts for a long time of the year, and I come in, oh, it's it's wet today, or it's cold, or it's raining, or it's warm, or it's hot, whatever. We talk about the weather. When Roger came into the office after Christmas in the year on Tuesday, one of the first things we said to each other was, of course, wet, isn't it? As Roger takes off his coat that was still wet from the day before, we're obsessed with the weather, and what we're interested in when we're watching the weather professionals give a weather report is when they tell us the storm is going to pass. They have all these names like Storm Eunice and Storm this and Storm that. I've never had a storm Wayne. I feel a bit aggrieved really, but Storm this. But they say by about four o'clock it will pass and it will move over. We don't care that it's gone to another country, we just don't want it here. But they tell us this storm has a conclusion, that it's going to pass. And in our life, God knows when our storms will pass. He knows they have a conclusion, all because he's prepared all of our days. Now, this doesn't mean that he has caused our storms of life, but when we experience them, he still knows that they have a conclusion, and he promises that he walks through them with us. Going back to Jeremiah, God's people being in captivity were in a storm, but God is promising them that this storm will pass. It has a conclusion that's going to be amazing, for with God the best is yet to come. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God is saying, look guys, hang on in there. I've not finished yet. I know what I have in store for you. And it is so good that you will have a wonderful future with me. So keep looking for me with all your heart because I am here for you. Your current situation, your current circumstances are not all there is. With me, I have more. And if we look through the Bible, there seems to be a common theme, I think, that the best, God's best, is yet to come. Paul speaks to the church in Corinth about what it means to be a mature believer and how those people who don't know Jesus just don't get it. And then he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. This is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Here's the things, Frank. God has a deep secrets that we do not know about yet. That means that God there's more. That means the best is yet to come. For we can, we can never get to the end of all that God is all that God has for us. So if you think there is no more, well, then you're wrong. (laughs) Because God is bigger than you and me. So there's always more that God has for us. You know, no mind has imagined what God has for us. Paul is saying, your wildest dreams aren't wild enough. Your highest goals don't even compare and your desires aren't even on the same level as what God has in store for you. Paul's letter to the church of Corinth reminds us today that no one knows or has even heard all the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Just allow that to sink in. You do not know all of the good things that God has prepared for you if you love Jesus. Amen? Amen. There is more, there is a best There is yet to come. A year ago, today, our regional minister, Claire, spoke from Ephesians 3, verses 20 to 21. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It says God can do more. God can do infinitely more. This is a a more without a limit. And it's a more that we might ask him, more than we might ask or think him to do. It is the God we have. in. If this is the God we have in our lives, then it means with him, there's always a best to come. There are endless good possibilities. Endless God possibilities. And one more Bible reading from Jesus himself in John chapter 14. I love this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Let's just say that again. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. What a bold promise, isn't it? Anything Jesus has done, we can do. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look through the Bible, I've not got anywhere near what Jesus has done. Have you? There's so much more. So, so much more. So I'm happy to claim that, that, that to come, that there is a best yet to come. When the Bible says that we'll do even greater things than Jesus, it doesn't mean that we will surpass Jesus. Let's, let's get that out there. It doesn't mean that we're going to go beyond Jesus, but it means that because Jesus has gone to be with the Father, and through his Holy Spirit, we can do those things. And Jesus says, ask for anything in his name when it's done. The message paraphrase words it like this, from now on, whatever you request, along the lines of what I'm doing, and who I am, I'll do it. So here's the thing, friends. Jesus wants to save all people, yes? yeah. He wants to see all of our friends and neighbours transformed by his love, yes? That's what Jesus wants. It's what what he's doing. So when we ask for our neighbours to know Jesus, when we ask for opportunities to share Jesus with our work colleagues, when we ask for the right words, when we ask that we will see many baptisms this year, so many that this baptistry, we get rid of the lid. You know, when I was training for ministry, there's a spa shop around the corner. They never ever closed, so they got rid of their front doors. (laughs) They just took them off. Because they were open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, every bank holiday. So they didn't need any doors. They took them off. Wouldn't it be great if if God was, we we could see God doing so much work in this place that there was no need for a lid on the baptistry? Are you with me? Come on, church. Get excited. That they were, we, we, It was just full of water. It was constantly heated. Cost us a fortune, but we didn't mind. Because in every service, somebody wanted to give their life to Jesus. Somebody wanted to come and get baptized. So we thought, well, let's just throw away the lid. We'd have to do something because you guys will get wet otherwise. But we just got rid of it. Because God is doing so much. All of that in his name. When we ask that we will see growth this year. When we ask that we will see God's supernatural power displayed in and through our lives and in this church this year. That's all in Jesus' name. That is what he wants and Jesus promises he will do it. So come on church, the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you getting excited? Well show it then, come on, you know. (laughs) The best is yet to come with God. But, I heard once... It's a big but. There's a caveat. There seems to be a caveat. For in the words of Jeremiah, God will be found for us and we will experience all that God has for us. We'll experience all of his best. However, but, we have to be willing to search for him wholeheartedly with everything that we are. In the passage that we read from 1 Corinthians, where Paul is quoting the prophet Isaiah about God always has more, more secrets, more for us. It is for those who truly love him. The words from Ephesians about God doing so much more than we can ever dare to dream come at the end of teaching by Paul about spiritual growth, about us being willing to to work at allowing our roots of faith to go deep down into God and to love him with all that we are. Even the words from Jesus in John's Gospel are for those who are asking and willing to do what Jesus wants and is doing. That's why we said right at the start of the sermon, we need to change our focus about what the best that is yet to come actually looks like. For it is not our best in terms of human goals, human achievements, human circumstances, but it is God's best displayed throughout our lives. Some of you were using the Lectio Bible reading app, and the other night it had a verse from Zephaniah 3. Zephaniah 3:17, and the verse said, The Lord your God is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you. And he will refresh your life with his love. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. Friends, our best that is yet to come is not that we end the year with a better looking savings account. Or our health has been perfect. Or everything went swimmingly well. But our best that is yet to come is knowing more deeply that God is always with us. Having a deeper sense that God celebrates and sings because of us. It's about experiencing the wonderful refreshing of God's love in our lives. When we experience all of that, then in 12 months' time, we will truly have experienced the best because we will have experienced more of God. But there is more, for we read in James, the closer we draw to God, the closer he will draw to us. So in terms of difficulty, when we draw closer to God, as opposed to drawing away, because we don't like our circumstances, if we draw closer to God, we'll experience him. If we draw closer away, we won't. But we do experience, if we draw closer to God, a strength to endure those circumstances, a supernatural ability to persevere. In times of the mundane, if we keep drawing closer to God, we open ourselves up, to seeing the extraordinariness of God in our ordinariness. If we are willing to draw closer to God in spending time with him, in his word and, and in prayer, the best that we experience is a deepening of our relationship with him. And if nothing humanly wonderful happens in our practical circumstances, this next year, if we are closer in relationship and in love with Jesus than we are today, then it will have been the best that has come. Friends, the best that is to come is to end this year knowing Jesus more. Loving him more. It's not about our human experiences. God understands those. But it's knowing him more. But God, who is awesome, also when we're drawing closer to him, because he then gives us eyes to see, he, he often populates our lives with nuggets of miracles. If we would just stay with him. What will they be? I have no idea. But that is the wonder of the best that is yet to come. You know, as a church, how do we see God's best that is yet to come in 2024? We do it by intentionally walking with him together. We do it by being willing to walk down roads that we may have travelled before, but not in this season. We do it by being willing to walk down roads that God leads us, That we've never ever been there you know if I had the power to ban a phrase from church life it would be the phrase what we usually do is (laughs) I don't have the power but I'm just putting it out there every church I've been part of as a minister 24 years Every church without fail. What we usually do is, which basically means, what we usually do is laminated and set in stone, so that's what we're going to do. If we have that, as a church, we will never see God's best that is yet to come. We did at one point, 60 years ago, when this church just just was birthed. And the fun and, and the excitement and the thrill of, oh, we don't know, we're making it up as we go along, we're just following Jesus. But then the radical believers become, well, we're comfortable believers. Because this is what we do. This is what we usually do. So let's keep doing that. I think God wants us to do something unusual. <laughs> I don't think God wants us to do the same old, same old, the usual, usual. I'm not advocating throwing out baby with bathwater, which is a strange phrase in itself, but let's not think what we usually do is. Why don't we think, God, what do you want to do? I want to, see, I want to see your best. I want to see something that's going to blow my mind. I want to see so much more of what you've got. And one of the ways we do that as a church is to pray together. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of the 19th century, once said, prayer is the powerhouse of the church, it's the engine room. And you know, if you don't look after your engine, it will fail. You won't get very far. So for us as a church to step into all that God has for us in 2024, to truly live out his best, we have to be willing to pray. As a plug for that, this coming Tuesday, which is not the first Tuesday, it's the second Tuesday, but we've got a first Tuesday prayer meeting. We didn't do it last week because people were still off. So this Tuesday at 8 o'clock, we've got a prayer meeting here. Now I am going to sound a bit whingy and and I don't mean to be. We've been getting in these first Tuesday prayer meetings, which we started around March time, I believe. We've been getting between 40 and 60. I want to tell you as a minister, I've never been in a midweek prayer meeting when we've had that many people. It's awesome. It's amazing to get that many people out on a Tuesday night to come together and pray. 40 or 60 people, wow, that's brilliant. Whenever I told some of my minister friends, I think that's awesome, I'd love to have that, that's amazing, wonderful. We have a membership of 184. We have anywhere from 30 to 50, I don't know the figures, people who aren't members who come on a Sunday. Just look around. People on the balcony, look around. Far more than 40 or 60 people. And we're pleased with that. And yet we have over 200 people gathered in our two locations on a Sunday. And we're happy if 40 or 60 people gather to pray. Which is wonderful. Don't hear me wrong. But can't we do better? Now, Don't get me wrong. There are lots of reasons. There's work. this family. There's health. You know, if you're out every other night of the week, you know, please spend some time with your family. That is so important. You know, you may have small children, only one of you can come. There's lots of reasons. Not excuses, there are reasons. However, I'm a pastor that wants some more. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pastor that, that, you know, wants to fill this place on a Tuesday night as we pray together. To see God do even more than he's ever done. Do you want to see God do more? Do you want more than 40 or 60 to turn up to pray? Why don't we get 100 turning up to pray? To come and to see what God has for us. Because if we're not willing to invest in the engine room of the church, we will not see God's best in 2024. We'll see some good stuff. But we will not see God's supernatural power displayed if we're not willing to look after the engine room of the church. So for you, let's come to a close. But that's probably another 20 minutes, but let's come to a close. You know, as you start your 2024, how are you feeling about the next 12 months? Maybe you've got some really great plans. Maybe over the Christmas and New Year holidays, you planned your holiday. So you're really excited. You've got a calendar. You're counting down the weeks. You made a mistake of telling your kids that you're going on holidays in nine months' time. You made the mistake of doing that. Because every day, how long have we got? How long have we got? But maybe you've got, maybe you've, there's a baby coming. Maybe there's a wedding coming in the family. Maybe there's a, what, loads of stuff happening. I just said there's not a baby coming in our family in 2024. <laughs> Praise God for that. Two's <laughs> Two's enough. We need to read into anything that I'm preaching here this morning. <laughs> Jim's looking really worried. Maybe you've got an amazing year planned. Fantastic. Maybe you're already weary. You're seven days in. And you're already carrying struggles over from twenty twenty three or this year has already started with a complete and utter turn of tables over struggle. I want to encourage you to change your focus if you can. I know it's not easy. I'm not in any way saying that any of the great things that you planned are wrong. Go on, enjoy them, show me the photos. Please not the 180 on Facebook, but show show me the photos. Let me rejoice with you. I'm also not saying that your struggles are not real, because they are. Any pain that you feel, it's not belittled. Let me have a cuppa with you. Let me pray with you. Let me share your burden. But what I am saying to you is what I'm saying to myself. What will make this the best year is not how many great experiences I have or whether I have a less tough time this year than I did last year. As many of you know, this last year has been really tough for us as a family. Really hard. As Our daughter, Kezia, has been unwell and... She's here this morning, but she's still unwell. I am burdened with praying for Kezia to be fully healed. That is, as a dad, that is my heart's cry. That she is completely healed. You know, when you see your 15-year-old daughter gone from wanting to get into school, still wanting to get into school, but can physically manage two or three hours a whole week, that breaks your heart. My heart is to see her healed. But her physical healing is not what will make this year the best year ever. Yes, it'll be amazing. It'll be wonderful if she's healed. Come on, Jesus. Pour out your power of healing upon my daughter now. in Delve. now. Please, God. However... And I say this with my hand on my heart and in all sincerity. What will make this the best year is whether her faith in Jesus has grown deeper as a result of what she's going through. Whether her healing speaks to one of her friends of who Jesus is. Whether they see her endurance and they ask her, how are you carrying on? And she says, it's because of Jesus. Whether as a family we allow God to do a a deeper work within us. Whether as a family this pushes us to gather around the table, to Sabbath, to pray, to push into God even more. And so our family's prayer life is strengthened. Our witness to Jesus with our neighbours is seen. As we push her around in a wheelchair but with a smile on our face because Jesus is real and he's with us. What will make this the best year is not so much whether Kezia is healed, but have we grown to be more like Jesus? Have we taken risks in our faith journey, and in doing so, seen more the supernatural power of God in our lives? When these tough times come, have we sat down with Jesus and just allowed him to hold us for next year to be the best year ever is not dependent on whether as a dad I see complete healing in my daughter, although I want it. But it's whether we're closer to Jesus at the end. That's what's important. Friends, what will make this the best year ever is that at the end of 2024, you have grown closer to Jesus because you have spent more time reading through the Bible. Your faith has deepened and matured more over the next 12 months. They're the things that will make you truly look back and say, wow, I've been intentional with Jesus. My heart is more for him. I love him even more than I did in 2023. And I believe that there's even more to come. That is what will make this year the best year ever. Amen? Come on, church. And friends, this is similar for us as a church. You know, there's some great practical stuff looking to happen over the next 12 months. You know, we're, we're, we're hoping and praying we're going to have a children and youth pastor in place. We're hoping and praying that we, if, when Mary retires, we'll be able to get a new church. Like, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? When Mary retires, we'll be able to get a new church administrator. I don't mean that. I mean, but when Mary retires, God will present a new church administrator. Wouldn't it be great if all of our expenditure matched our income with Richard? Amen! (laughs) But even if we've done all of those things in place, I don't think that is what will constitute whether we've seen the best that is to come. Don't get me wrong, we would have had a good year, but we wouldn't have had the best year. I believe... So the worship group want to come back up? Because that that means I am really closing. I believe that we will have had the best year when because of all of those things I've just mentioned we grow as a church numerically and spiritually we start to have regular baptisms, we're having people regularly giving their lives to Jesus in our services our prayer meetings have exploded both numerically and spiritually people who who come here have found a spiritual home, we start Twenty more discipleship groups because of the demand of people want to meet and to study the word together. We took some real faith risks as a church that saw us stepping out into new ways of being and doing church. The community out there were fully aware of BBC and knew that we cared and loved them because of Jesus, And the phrase "What we usually do" is never spoken of again. It's a diamond jubilee. 60 years old. Let's not live from the history. Let's let's thank God for the history. But let's not live from it. Let's step into the wonderful future that God has for us as we see Jesus truly become the heart of all that we are as a church, even more than he already is. Friends, that is the best that is yet to come. Amen? Amen. I need to stop. I haven't even mentioned eternity. (laughs) Because that is ultimately the best that is yet to come, isn't it? You know, that's promised. The best that is yet to come is eternity. I haven't even got in, It's 10 past 11. You've got communion as well. So sorry. (laughs) The best is yet to come. For one day, all those who believe will be in glory with God. But surely, we don't have to wait until then to receive something better of God than we knew yesterday. Friends, let's walk together. The best is yet to come.